it's good for uh, it. It's it was good to hear that he he was focusing on getting the folks into the local churches to feed them and to to disciple them. And so, um, uh, so anyway, it was. Uh, I thought the message was great. And if you didn't get a chance, I'd encourage you to to go back and listen to the message. Uh, and um, uh, I told them, and and even now he he had talked about several different groups, but he talked about. Uh, our good friend Jonah, the, the uh, prophet, and I'm still just been kind of meditating on that about the hardness of Jonah's heart because he was bringing out the point that uh, Jonah was so hard uh, against doing the will of God that he would rather die than to see the people of Nineveh get saved. Because when he got, because he told the men on the boat, remember he left uh, uh, the will of God and went was uh, went on the ship, uh, and um, uh, and then of course the ship hit stormy weather, and they start throwing things over, and finally they, they uh, figure out that, that uh, it's all because of Jonah. And he said, just throw me overboard. And he wasn't throwing, he didn't say throw me overboard because I know the Lord will, will provide and save me. He said throw me overboard because I'd rather die than to repent. And Because uh, if he said, well, I repent, take me to Nineveh, the storm would have stopped and, and the, the boat would have been able to go to Nineveh. Uh, of course, it was going in the opposite direction, uh, but still, uh, he didn't do that. He said, just throw me overboard. He'd rather die than to, uh, you know, and that's, you think about how hard that heart is to be that hard to not want somebody to be blessed. Uh, And uh, why do you think the Lord included that story in in the word of God for us to read? Because there's people in the church today that would rather die than to see other people, certain people in their life get blessed. Uh, And and so do you think he was saying, be like Jonah? (laughs) It wasn't a how-to uh, message, right? It was a how-not-to message, right? Uh, and so that's something. So the, the, the thing we take from that, too, is uh, if, if the prophet of God, and Jonah was called the prophet of God, if, if the prophet of God can get so hard against uh, people finding uh, the goodness of God, what's the likelihood of you uh, or me being in that same position if we're not careful? Well, that means we're all, we're all capable of being there, Amen. Uh, and, and that's why the Lord records those stories, not so, oh, look, I can't believe he did that. That's not the right response. The response is, Lord, help me to never be like that, right? Uh, and so I thought that was really, and I've just been meditating on that all week, you know, because I've, you know, I've read the story of Jonah many times, and uh, but just, uh, and I knew he, you know, was kind of uh, grumpy about things, but it never, never really saw how hard his heart was that he would rather die than to, uh, to see the, the, because he knew, he knew the goodness of God. He knew the mercy of the Lord. That if I go, you're going you're gonna, to uh, cause them to repent and see your blessings. And, uh, and of course, what happened when he went? Uh, they repented, and the Lord forgave them. And he said, I told you. I knew you'd do it. I knew you'd forgive them. Uh, and so he was doubled up mad after it happened, right? And so, uh, wow, you know, that's, and that's tough. I think that's tough. Amen. So I thought the message was, was really good and, and timely there. And so... Uh, I've got just some, uh, I'll just put this on the back uh, there, uh, back table there. If you're interested, uh, of course, like I said, the ministry supports uh, Brother Nigel. Uh, and um, if you're interested and would like to be part of his ministry and support him, uh, of course, you can support him uh, by praying for him too. Uh, but it'd be good to, uh, if you'd like to invest uh, financially in his ministry, that'd be a good investment. And um, there's a story here, a book you're welcome to uh, have or even just borrow this book and bring it back. Uh, this is a story about how the drop-in ministry was started, uh, and um, uh, and what what their heart is to do that. And so there's some other materials on there, some flyers about the castle itself. So if you ever get to over to Northern Ireland, 
and uh, want to go over the castle, they'd let you stay there, right? Uh, we stayed there for about a week, right? Uh, and uh, they'd love to have you there. So, uh, and uh, it's a beautiful setting, amen? So, anyway, so, um, so as far as announcements go, uh, this uh, Friday we'll have uh, Ladies Fellowship here at the church, and um, uh, all the roads will be clear by then, right? So, it's supposed to be in the 40s, 50s, and 60s this week and rain, so it'll wash all the snow away and ice away. Uh, and so, uh, I want to thank uh, Doris especially for coming out in the brave weather yesterday. We, uh, we decided we probably should clear off some of the driveway. And, um, you know, before we got here, I was thinking, well, you know, we should clear off, like, you know, the annex driveway and then all this driveway. Well, that's 120 feet of driveway. Uh, and so we went from 120 to, I think, was it six feet out there now is what we decided? To, six feet's good, right? <laughs> so, you know, reality sets in at some point, you know, you can just, uh, you got to, because we were here till dark. And, um, and so uh, it's all good. So, but uh, we hauled a lot of snow off by hand. And uh, that's a note to self. Don't ever do that again, right? And so uh, I remember one time my, uh, uh, my, push, my ride mower died. I thought, I'll just push, the, push mow the yard one time. You know, you've got to do that once in your life. Uh, and then you learn, right? And then you realize, you know, I'm never doing that again. And, of course, you decide to wait till the, like, it was like 95 degrees outside, like 300% humidity. And I had to, like, mow a strip and then go inside and take a nap and, and um, drink a gallon of water and go back out there. And, and so, you know, we all do things like that once in your life. And you realize, you know, okay, I've got that check mark done. Never doing that again. So, uh, and well, so the next... 20 years when this exact same thing happens again, we'll, we will hire somebody to come out and clean that off. And I was thinking uh, today, or yeah, yesterday, what we could have done we, when we poured that concrete out there, we could have put a heated pad. You know, they make, you can do that, right? Uh, so that the next uh, once in every 15 years when we need to do that, we can just flip the switch and melt all that snow, right? So, uh, but anyway, I didn't think about that, and, and uh, it's probably not worth the trouble to do that anyway. So, um, so, ladies, fellas, will be here Friday at 6.30 at the church, and um, they bring finger foods or something like that. So, um, and um, I think that's all the other announcements we have, right? So, it's nearly February, and um, uh, so we won't have healing school today, but we'll, we'll be back here for church on Wednesday of this week. And then um, after, after all that, then things should get back to normal. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, any other announcements? Uh, we're good. So, um, I wanted to read a scripture here. This is in Psalm uh, 34, and um, uh, <coughs> uh, this is uh, uh, one of many verses that are similar to this. Uh, this this is verse says in verse eight, Psalm 34, verse eight says, "Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him." Uh, and so, uh, that that's uh, a, a good verse. Uh, because really the implication, you know, is uh, just try out the Lord, right? To taste and see, right? Try the Lord out to see if he, uh, to see what he's like. And what you'll find out is that he's good, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. So if you really tried the Lord for who he was, just to see, you know, is this, is this stuff real? Is this Christianity real? Is this, is this God thing real? What you should find is that the Lord is good, amen? Uh, and so, and then that should drive you then, to, to trust him, and if it does, which it should, then it says, blessed is the man that trusts in him. Uh, and um, and I, I've told you in my testimony uh, before many times that um, when I got saved, I didn't know, I didn't know any but book, chapter, and verse about anything. 
But the Lord gave me a revelation that, that the Lord was good, and that's all I knew. I didn't know anything about anything, uh, you know, and I, I was uh, witnessing to my sister one time and said, you need to get saved, and she said, saved from what? And, and I really didn't know what, you know, what the answer to that question was. Well, I mean, stuff, right? I mean, you know, things, right? I mean, uh, I mean, I could give you a whole dissertation on that now, but, uh, but that's what you said, right? Hey, you need to get saved. Uh, and then her, she had a valid question, well, saved from what? Uh, and so if you don't know anything, you know, then, then, um, then you're in a good place because there's nowhere else to go except up. So, uh, and the knowledge that the Lord is good, if you, if, is that what it says, that the Lord is good? Uh, well, then that's a true statement, amen? Uh, and that's good, like, what good means, right? That's not like good and he puts cancer on you because nobody, anybody goes, uh, would think that was good. If it wasn't the Lord, would anybody say that was good? Well, nobody would say that was good, right? Uh, and so uh, it's not some mysterious good. It's just plain ordinary good, right? You know, brownies are good, amen? Uh, broccoli, not so good, right? Uh, and so uh, those things are obvious, right? That's just obvious statements. And, and so uh, it doesn't take any rocket science or, or Ph.D. in theology to figure these out. The Lord is good because the Lord is good. Uh, and if it's a blessing, then, then it's good, right? Uh, and, and the Lord uh, Jesus contrasted that with the devil in John 10.10, 10, where he said, The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. And yet, how many times have you seen people uh, be involved in, in death or, or uh, killing, stealing, or destroying in their life, and they point to the Lord? Well, God did that. And yet, Jesus himself said, Well, no, it's not the Lord, you know, unless you think the Lord's a thief. He said, It's a thief, right? The thief that steals the life out of mankind, which would be, which would be the devil and, and his cohorts. Uh, and so that's a pretty good contrast. It should be easy, right? That should be obvious. And yet, how many times have you been to a funeral and, and the minister says, well, the Lord took them, right? Uh, and is the Lord stealing people's lives? I mean, you know, uh, the Lord's not stealing people's lives. The Lord's not killing people uh, to get them to heaven sooner. Why would he want you to leave earth when there's work to be done? Uh, it doesn't make any sense, right? The work needs, there, there's work to be done on the earth. There's no work in heaven. Everybody's been saved in heaven, right? Uh, he said, uh, pray the Lord, the Lord of the harvest. The, the, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So what we're going to do is we're going to shoot some more laborers. That way they're even more few, right? Uh, would the Lord do that? That didn't make any sense, right? And as a manager of the earth, uh, that wouldn't make any sense. No, the Lord is good. And, uh, and if you'll get that revelation, then, that will, then every time you read a verse, you then look at that verse through the eyes that the Lord is good. Uh, and then when, when, when you see something that, well, this says this, well, how would that line up with the Lord is good? Uh, well, then uh, sometimes you have to dig a little deeper to, to line that up with the revelation that the Lord is good instead of just saying, well, then good means bad, right? Uh, that's why a lot of people, they don't try hard enough, and they say that, the Lord, that uh, good is bad or bad is good. No, the Lord is good, amen? Uh, and many times the Bible says that, that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever, amen? Uh, and so I just want to encourage you, you know, you should always think that the Lord is good, Amen? You should always think that the Lord desires good for you. The Lord is always on your side. He's not trying to get you. There's not a competition. There's not conflict between us and, and the Lord. Uh, in fact, the Bible says that the whole world has been reconciled to the Lord, right? And, uh, he, and he's given the church the ministry of reconciliation. And the word reconcile means to be restored fully to favor. Uh, you know, when people balance their checkbook, right? That, that what they're doing is they're, they're reconciling their, their checking account, and they're restoring that checking account to favor, right? That, that all the numbers met line up. Uh, and when the Lord reconciled us, he has restored us to favor. In fact, the Bible says he's restored the whole world to the favor of God. Uh, and so the, the, the people out there that don't even know the Lord 
right now they have been restored fully to favor. They don't know that, and then uh, taken advantage of that, but they have been restored. There's nothing on the Lord's side, on his side, where he's, with, where he's uh, holding out judgment, you know, I can't wait to get him. Uh, he, he's already told them, look, all your accounts are wiped clean if you'll receive it. Now, many of them will not receive it, and they'll get to heaven. And he said, well, your account was paid in full, but you had to sign on the dotted line uh, to accept the Lord to, to take advantage of that. You chose not to do that. Now you're responsible for your own debt, which, of course, is why people end up going to hell. Uh, and it doesn't make any sense, but it happens every day, right? I don't know how there are any intelligent people who are not saved. Uh, and really, there's not any intelligent people that aren't saved, right? <laughs> so, because if they were intelligent, they'd all get saved, right? And so, uh, so the Lord has restored, a good God has restored you to favor, amen, right now, today. And so, you think about how that would inform your relationship with the Lord. You know, a lot of people's relationship with the Lord is very tense, very, very touchy, right? It's like they're not sure if, you know, if it's okay to do anything because God might get them. Uh, well, well, the Lord is good. He's on your side. He's restored you fully to favor. So uh, I just want to encourage you, meditate on verses like that, anything that the Lord is good. Uh, and when it's good, it's what you would think good would be, right? Uh, puppies and candies and, and kittens and, you know, all those good things like that, amen? Not cancer and disease and heartache and, and uh, destruction. Uh, and so, so is the Lord good? Uh, that's why we ask, is the Lord good, right? Because it's good, to you, it's good for you to acknowledge that the Lord is good. Amen. Uh, we'll let's stand and greet each other, all the, the, the folks that are here today. Amen. Uh, and uh, we'll get into praise and worship for just a minute. It's a mercy and the glory of Almighty God living among us, Father, living in us, living around us, Father. We thank you, Father, that the glory of God is the manifestation of the Spirit of God in the earth, Father very essence of who God is. Father, we thank you for your mighty presence that, that breaks chains, Father, that destroys strongholds, that allows us to be free, Father, in every area of our life. Father, you tore the veil that separated mankind from the glory of God inviting us to come and live in your presence, Father. Inviting us to come and live all the time, Father, in the presence of the Most High God. Not to visit it once a year. Not to visit it with fear and trembling, Father. But to visit it with joy and gladness. Father, we thank you. There's no longer a separation between God and man. Father, the Lord Jesus has opened up that door for us to enter in, into your presence and to live there. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your great presence, for your great kindness, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us, being good to us. Father, we thank you that your word declares many times that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Father, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Father, you are good to me, and your mercy endures forever to me. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Mr. Jimmy, if it's okay, I'd like to pray for you today. You come up here. I'd like to lay hands on you and pray for you. 
Lord is good. Amen. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for my brother in the name of Jesus. Father, I join my faith with his. In the name of Jesus, Father, you spirit of anxiety, we curse you and command you to leave this life in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we stand against you in faith. And you must go and to never return. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that peace floods this life and stands as a garrison, Father, as a soldier. Father, never allow anxiety back into this life. Father, I thank you for the smallest amount of faith. Father, he can live in peace all the days of his life. Father, I thank you. Peace, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for your testimony of goodness, Father, in this life. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for all your goodness and kindness and mercy. We thank you, Father, that it's your desire that we live free from all shackles and chains, Father, and hindrances, and live completely free to serve you all the days of our life. And Lord, we thank you. We give you all praise and honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You know, the greatest freedom that you'll ever have is serving the Lord fully in your life. Amen. A lot of people think freedom is to do all the sin they want to do, and then they don't know how to get out of that. Amen. Because the sin, uh, uh, it's, you know, we've, we've got a couple animals at home. If you don't feed them, they get really mouthy, right? Feed me, feed me, feed me. Not unlike children, right? If you don't feed kids, you know, I'm starving. Well, sin is the same way. It demands that you feed it, right? That you care for it, that you, uh, that you yield to it. Uh, the Lord's not that way, amen? Uh, and so, so we have been uh, uh, teaching just a message uh, called, uh, How Bad Do You Want It? And um, uh, that's a good question, right? Uh, and so you remember we started off with the, with the king there and uh, uh, Elisha. Uh, and uh, remember the king, uh, Elisha told the king to, to stomp on the arrows of his deliverance. And he kind of half-heartedly did it. Uh, and and uh, Elijah got mad at him. said, well, if that's how bad you want it, then that's how much deliverance you'll get, just a little bit of deliverance. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times people are perfectly satisfied with a little bit of God. You know, they, they don't really want a lot of God because that requires, you know, like dedicating their lives to the Most High. Well, we can't have that. So let's serve God a little bit, right? Uh, and uh, with serving God a little bit, you'll get a little bit of blessings. Amen. Uh, and uh, if you serve God fully, you get the fullness of blessings. Uh, uh, and uh, to me, it's, it's uh, why wouldn't you want to do that? Uh, I don't know, right? Uh, it's, it's, the, um, uh, it's the selfishness that's inherent to humanity uh, that we, we want to do what we want to do. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, when the Lord asks us to do things, you know, we, don't, uh, we just don't really want to do that. Uh, and, you know, I see that in a lot of Christians' lives where they don't want to commit to the Lord because then they become responsible. You ever know people that they just will not 
sign up for anything, right? Because then they have to be there. Amen. You know, they don't want to join a church because then they have to be there like every Sunday. And so they'll float around. And I tell you, well, I go to a lot of different churches. Well, well, why do they do that? Because they don't want to ever be responsible uh, because they don't want it bad enough, right? Uh, they want to allow their flesh to, uh, to dictate their life. Uh, and, of course, they'll wrap it up in, in uh, you know, spiritual-sounding things, right? I, I remember there, there was a fellow I worked with, and he called himself a minister. And I said, well, where do you go to church? Because anytime somebody says they're a minister, my first question is not what, how big is your ministry, where do you go to church, right? Because uh, every ministry outside of the pastor should be a member of a local church, right? Of course, a pastor should be a member of a local church. You'd think that would be kind of an obvious thing, but, you know, um, where do you go to church, right? Who is your pastor? What's your pastor's name? And he said, well, the Lord told me years ago not to go to any church. Really, the head of the church told you not to go to church. That, that seems really odd to me, right? To, to be like your boss saying, you know, you don't have to come to work just if, you, if you don't want to. Just, you know, if you want to come to work, if you don't want to, you know, it's okay, right? Uh, it, it, any boss in the history of bosses ever done that, right? Uh, no, right? Uh, and so... Well, the Lord told me not to go to, he said, he said, he'll, uh, he said, I'll tell you on Sunday morning if I want you to go to church and otherwise just stay at home and read your Bible. Really, the head of the church, the one who created the actual church, told you, told you that, you know, maybe you don't need to go to church. And so I'm thinking, well, why would I ever invite you to come to my church and speak at my church? Because he'd get up and say, you know, all you right here, you here on Sunday morning? You know, if you don't feel like it, just don't come. It's okay. Thank you for destroying my church, right? Thank you for, you know, ruining. Because a lot of people go, sweet, I'll, do, I'll take that deal, right? You mean I'm, get, I'm being just as blessed by not doing the will of God as, as, it, as, a, as it would be if I did the will of God? Yeah, that's not true. Uh, and so later on, he stopped by the church one time. He was asking me some questions about some books and things. Uh, and, and as he's talking, the Spirit of God was speaking to me. And just really loud. It was like sometimes you'd be loud where you can't, you know, you just, you can't hear what the guy's saying. You just hear the, uh, the Spirit of God. And on the inside, he's just saying, rebellion, rebellion. That's all he was saying, rebellion. There's a guy's talking, right? Oh, God is so good. And he's, I mean, rebellion, rebellion. <laughs> well, why? Because he's rebellious, right? He's not doing the Word of God. Uh, and so, you know, he didn't want to commit. Uh, he just didn't want to commit to a local church. Look, I'm not trying to get you to commit to this church. If the Lord's called you here, that's great. I'm just saying that uh, how bad do you want it, right? Uh, how bad do you want the blessings of heaven? See, if you want it bad enough, then you're scouring the word of God. Lord, wh- where can I follow your, your will more closely in my life? A lot of people are, are always looking for a loophole. Walk in love. Well, I, I can't do that. That sounds like a lot of work. But it says to walk in love. Yeah, but I mean, you can't actually do that, right? And, and so they'll immediately, as soon as the word of God is clear and, and concise, walk in love, they'll immediately discard that. Well, I can't do that. And they'll just throw that all away because they don't want to be responsible for that. Not realizing that if you choose to not do the will of God, not do the word of God, then you're missing out on something, right? You're missing out on the blessings of heaven. And then tomorrow you're like, I just wish I could be blessed. Like, well, they're blessed over there. How come I'm not blessed? Well, let me talk to you for like, I used to say five minutes, but I could probably do it in three minutes, right? Let me talk to you about three minutes, and I can tell you why you're not blessed, right? And I'm not trying to judge you, but, you know, you ask me a question, and I can answer the question if, if you want it bad enough, right? See, some people, they'll never ask the question. Well, why not? Well, I'm afraid of the answer. Well, then you don't want it bad enough. Because if you want it bad enough, you'd ask the question, right? You'd ask, I ask the Lord questions all the time. Lord, Lord uh, you know, why am I not doing this? Why is this not happening in my life? And he's like, you want to know? Well, yeah, Lord. Well, well okay, go, get, go to the mirror, 
and we'll talk about it, right? That's usually the answer. Go to the mirror, and we'll, 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 I'll show you all of your problems, right? And, and, and that's always the answer. It's never, well, that guy over there, you know, is keeping you from being blessed. The Lord has never told me that anybody in the world outside of me was responsible for me being blessed or not being blessed. He's never said, well, yeah, you would be blessed if it wasn't for that guy over there, right? Well, okay, well, Lord, then, then, um, then we need to do something with that guy over there, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so the Lord, you know, he just kind of dropped a bunch of these stories in my heart and put these together uh, to go through these stories and look at uh, these examples of people that, that, you know, had to do things, right? Of course, we talked about the, the man there, but we also talked about the two blind men. Remember the two blind men? Uh, they, oh, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Uh, and the people told them, be quiet. And they, they cried out the more. Because they're thinking they got one shot, you know, and they're not going to miss their shot. Some people, you know, they, they cry out for the Lord and somebody say, be quiet. No, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bother you, you know. Well, they didn't want it bad enough. They, they gave it up. Uh, you know, the, the people around you will try to hinder your walk with the Lord. Oh, you go to that church? Yeah, you know, the church that speaks faith, right? Oh, well, you know, you need to come to our church, right? We don't speak any faith at all. We never ask you to do anything, right? We never ask you to ever change at all, you know, come to our church. And, okay, that sounds like a great deal. Sounds like an upgrade to me, right? Well, that wouldn't be an upgrade. You'd go to a church that never, that never challenges you, um, you know, I mean, uh, the Word of God should always challenge you, amen, not condemn you or beat you up, right? I mean, we should never try to do that, but there's always people trying to hinder your walk with the Lord. There always be people that, even people in a church will try to hinder your walk with the Lord. Oh, you, you're not one of those tongue talkers, are you? Yeah, you're not. I mean, you should be, because if, if you want the blessings of heaven, you do, the word, do, do the Word of God, amen? Uh, and so, uh, how many people did the Lord intend to be Pentecostal? All of us, right? He never meant to be a Pentecostal church and a non-Pentecostal church. He always meant the whole church to be Pentecostal. There shouldn't even be a Pentecostal church per se, right? Because that should be just like, aren't all churches Christian churches? I mean, if they are Christian churches, obviously. Uh, we never say, well, yeah, that's a Christian church, you know, or that's not a Christian church. Nobody ever says, well, that's not a Christian church. They preach the Bible, but it's not a Christian church. I'm sure there's a few out, wackos out there like that, but... For the most part, you know, we never distinguish the Baptists and Methodists or the Episcopalians as being a Christian church or not a Christian church because they're all Christian churches. Uh, and they should all be Pentecostal churches as well. Uh, amen. Uh, and so uh, if someone tries to disparage me, and they will, if you, the more you walk in faith, the more people will, will, will not like that because it makes them uncomfortable. Uh, and I have observed that it, by just walking in faith, it makes people uncomfortable, certain people, right? Now, other people love it, right? Other people are drawn to it. But there's always going to be somebody in the church who's not uncomfortable with your walking closely with the Lord. Uh, and they'll try to disparage you and try to really hinder you from doing that. And they tried to do that with the, with the two blind men. And so let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because we started talking about uh, our good friend Paul. Uh, and uh, the story here, uh, of course, this story, uh, uh, you know, Paul would love to come back and write an addendum to 2 Corinthians and say, what is wrong with you all? Y'all taking this one story I said, and you completely turned it to something I wasn't even saying. And then you built entire doctrines around this, this story that's not even so. And so this is the story of the thorn in the flesh. Uh, and, of course, a lot of people, the, 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 the card-carrying members of the Church of Doubt and Unbelief, they would tell you that this is talking about sickness and disease and that God did not want to heal Paul of sickness and disease, which would be odd because Jesus himself said, said that, uh, take and eat of my body right? Broken for you. And then you go and find out, well, why did he say that? Because you said that 
that by his stripes, which were on his body, you are healed. And so he said, I allowed my body to be beaten on your behalf. You know, he wasn't beaten just, just because it was cool or because, you know, uh, he thought it was, uh, it was something that he just ought to do. There was a purpose in it, right? There was nothing he did that didn't have an end game to bless you in it, right? It wasn't just to, to be punished for punishment's sake. It was, if I do this, I take the punishment upon my physical body, then I can use that and say, well, then I paid for the, the, the punishment that, you're, that you would normally have through sickness and disease. I'm just going to cover all that. Part of the deal, part of the atonement, part of the, 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 the redemption on the cross, I'm going to cover spirit, soul, and body. Because who created spirit, soul, and body? Well, the Lord did, amen? If the Lord created spirit, soul, and body, then why wouldn't he want to bless you spirit, soul, and body? A lot of people say, well, God only wants you to bless you in the spirit realm. That's odd. He created the natural realm. Why would he want to bless you in that? Well, you know, you don't, you don't need any of these worldly goods. You don't need any blessings of the natural world. Don't you need to sleep well at night? Don't you need to, to feel good? Don't you need to be uh, up and about to do the work of God? I mean, the work of God, you've got to go, right? He said, go into all the world. You can't go if, if you're not able to go. If you're in bed, how can you go? And yet, did he, didn't he command the entire church to go into all the world? Yeah. Well, how do you go if you're not well? And, and so, uh, you know, you, you've, got to be, you've got to be physically well to do the work of the Lord, amen? Because the work of the Lord is in this world, this natural world that we live in. I know it comes from the spirit realm and the end result is spiritual fruit. But, but you, if you've you got to go talk to somebody, you've got to get up and physically go to that person. Well, now that the Internet's there, God doesn't need to bless us physically. And like, whatever, you know, uh, the Internet's only been around for three seconds. And so uh, what about the last 2,000 years before that? Uh, and so you can't replace uh, the go part with just uh, the Internet. Amen. Uh, and so the people have taken this story uh, because... You know, there's a, there's a scripture in the book of Galatians where he said that, that uh, you'd give your very eyes for me. Uh, was, was that an actual statement, you know? No, it's just, it was a saying that just like you say, you know, you do anything to help me. Even give me your eyes, you know. And so they said, well, he had, and then people preached, well, he had, then they call it like ophthalmalia, some, some specific eye disease. There's no scripture for that, right? Because, uh, well, another verse says, well, see what's lar- with, with what large letters I wrote to you. It's like you're really straining hard to come up with a story that's not even there. Amen. Uh, was Paul, uh, remember Paul said that he left Trophimus sick at, at Miletum? Well, well, why did he leave him sick? Because, because Trophimus was not well enough to go. Well, apparently Paul was well enough to go. Well, how was Paul well enough to go? Because Paul lived in faith. And it wasn't, didn't the Lord use Paul to heal the sick many times? Right? Special miracles by the hands of Paul. Uh, Paul definitely had a healing ministry. So he believed in healing, uh, and so, but not for himself. I mean, uh, who is healing for if not for everybody? If it's not for everybody, then, then it wouldn't make any sense, right? And so the whole argument that Paul was sick and that he asked the Lord to remove the sickness and the Lord decided not to remove the sickness is, is just bunk. Uh, because, first of all, when Paul said, let's read the verses here starting in verse 7, he said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, well, we know that the Lord desires to exalt his people, right? He said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will what? Exalt you in due season, right? And so is, is the Lord against people being exalted? No, the Lord is not, not opposed to people being exalted. And what, what would be a good reason to exalt somebody? In other words, lift them up and make them visible uh, to the world, not glorify them, right? We're not talking about that Paul's worthy of, of worship, but to make him well known in the world. 
to, to be seen, right? To be known. Uh, what would be a value for Paul to be well known? Because of the abundance of revelation. And so who would have the most to gain by Paul not being well known? Would it be God? Well, well I know where I invested a lot of revelation to Paul, but we, he can't, nobody can know about that revelation other than Paul. Uh, and Gabriel, you know, shut him down. Go throw some, you know, eye sickness on him. Uh, but, you know, if, if Paul was sick and uh, had eye disease, would that have stopped him at all? Would have stopped him a second, right? Uh, and so, remember, he, he said, don't, uh, other places he talked about, uh, uh, don't forget my, my cloak. I left that over there. But also the scrolls. Make sure you bring the scrolls, right, which were there, all the books. Well, how's he going to read a scroll if he's got eye disease? You, know, you ever seen these scrolls? It's tiny little writing, right? I mean, it's not like, you know, they don't have, they didn't have large print scrolls back then, right? They didn't have like regular print and large print scrolls. It was just the scroll, amen? Uh, and so if he couldn't see, how is he going to read the scrolls? Well, you know, I mean, we don't want to talk about that. Uh, and so uh, if Paul was, was, had a healing ministry, which he did, then clearly healing is for everybody. Uh, and, and of course, it's not a healing class, but uh, he said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. So did Paul have an abundance of revelation? I'm so thankful that the Lord raised up Paul because the, the, the uh, apostles that were there in Jerusalem were just slow. They were so slow in, in advancing the kingdom of God. They were so slow in, in doing the work of God. Uh, and and they, their revelation was limited. They, they had not pursued uh, the full revelation of the new covenant like they should have. And, and the Lord after, I mean, it, it was not immediately after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus that he raised up Paul. It was many years, about a decade, 10 years after the church is going strong, and they've got tens of thousands of people in Jerusalem. The Lord's like, are you all going to get up and, and do what I told you to do? And like, we're comfortable with where we're at. You know, we, we don't want any more revelation. You know, we're still doing the circumcision stuff. We're still doing the, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the, a lot of the Jewish rituals and, you know, uh, don't eat certain things. We're, you know, we're still pretty much living like Jews, except we're Christians now. Uh, and, and the Lord's like, no, you've got to move on. And Paul came along, a great Hebrew, a great Jew, and when he got the revelation, he's like, you know, all that stuff, it's time to move on from all that stuff. And they get so mad at Paul because, you know, they could almost accept Jesus and Messiah. But then he said, well, yeah, when you do that, then you get to get rid of all this other stuff. And that made them really uncomfortable. That made the Jews uncomfortable to get rid of all their legalism. And that, that was a big reason why they didn't like Paul. And so I'm so thankful for the Paul and the revelation that he had because he, he, he finally, we finally get to understand that Jesus is God. He's not just the son of God, which he was. He is God, right? He's deity. He, he, is, uh, he is God himself. So it's not just uh, that, uh, you know, he was a messenger of God, like Elijah or Elisha, like a prophet. He was God. Uh, and a lot of uh, non-Christian religions will acknowledge that Jesus was a, a person on the earth. But they'll, as far as they go, is he was a prophet, right? The, the, uh, the Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet, just one of many, right? Not, a, not, the, not the son of God. And so they won't take it too far. And even many Jews will acknowledge that Jesus was a real person. I'm not sure if they'll acknowledge that he was an actual prophet of God uh, because then they would have to listen to what he said. Uh, and so, but they do acknowledge that he existed. So Paul had great revelation. Who gave Paul the revelation? Well, God. Well, well, well if God gives you the revelation, if God gives you great revelation, what do you think he wants you to do with that revelation? to use it and tell other people about it, to advance the, the church, right? To advance the church in Revelation. Well, how are you going to do that if nobody knows about you? 
you know, I mean, nowadays you can just stick that little tiny camera there and the whole world can know you, right? Uh, of course, they still have to find you amongst all the uh, other little cameras running around the world. Uh, but still, you could be known. But if you're Paul, the only way to be known is for people to know about you, to travel and, and to know about you. Uh, and so uh, it doesn't make any sense, right? That, so, so God invests all this revelation to Paul. But, you know, we've we got to back it off a little bit because, you know, Paul's starting to get famous and, you know, we can't have that. So, so let's, let's throw a, rent, a wrench in the works and, and let's, let's put sickness on him. But how does sickness uh, keep him from being exalted? I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, the, the, whole, the whole argument doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, they, they will hold it uh, steady. You know, they've got, no, they got no book, chapter, and verse for it. Uh, and so it says that, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations which God gave me, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. So now somehow the Lord is using Satan as a messenger, like, like all the angels are busy, and so let's, you, let's get the messenger of Satan, you know, because, you know, all the, uh, uh, we got anybody on the, on the board today? No, they're all busy, Lord. Oh, well, who we got? Oh, well, I mean, oh, you're just going to have to go to Satan to, to, uh, to, to stop Paul now. Okay, bring him up. I know he's the enemy, but, you know, bring him up, you know, and uh, we'll assign him to Paul. Uh, and and uh, would, would Satan even, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, Lord. I'll, I'll go and fulfill your will on the earth. Uh, is Satan going to sign up to do the will of God on the earth? Why would he do that, right? He's a rebellious, rebellious one. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that job, Lord. Uh, no, it doesn't make any sense, right? But uh, it says a messenger of Satan. And so, you know, we, we mentioned last week about how the thorn in the flesh, if you go and look up that phrase in the Old Covenant, the, the, the best example is when Joshua was talking about that. Uh, and he brought out the point that, that if, you, uh, if you don't get rid of the people in the, in the promised land, like they were supposed to, right? He said, go get rid of the, the Gibeonites and the, and the Hittites and the, the Amazites, uh, all the ites that were there in the promised land. Get rid of them. He said, if you don't do that, they will be thorns in your side. Uh, well, where did, so where did Paul get this phrase, a thorn in the flesh? He got it from the word of God. Uh, and if you go look up that phrase, uh, the, the, it's mentioned, you know, that's the best one, but it's mentioned, we mentioned all the other uh, times last week and go back and look that up. Uh, it's mentioned in Genesis and Isaiah and Ezekiel. Uh, and you go look up those, you go look up that phrase there, uh, and it's always talking about people. Every single time, there's no exception when it's talking about that there's going to be a thorn or a difficulty in your side. It's talking about the people that you're not dealing with or that, that are causing you conflict in your life. Uh, and, and so that would line up with a messenger, right? A messenger is someone who brings a message, right? I know that sounds like a, a big revelation right there. That's, that's uh, abundance of revelation, isn't it, right? That a messenger would bring a message. Uh, and so, uh, well, what, well what, what was the message? Stop giving the revelation, right? That's the messenger of Satan. What's he telling Paul? Stop giving the revelation. So what's the thorn in the, in the flesh doing? It's somebody, we don't know who it was, but it's somebody that's annoying Paul to hinder him dispelling the revelation to the church, to give the revelation to the church. He, did, he needs to give the revelation to the church that the Lord has given to him. He spent a lot of time out in the wilderness, many years by himself, spending time with the Spirit of God and Lord Jesus himself, and the Lord given him revelation of the church and what it was supposed to do and how it's supposed to operate. And then now go give this to, to the world. Go give this to the church, right? Because he was called to the Gentiles to bring them into the kingdom of heaven uh, and, and to show that God is good. And, and go show them that the, the, the reconciliation is completed in the cross and all the other things that, the, that Paul taught us. 
he was supposed to go and tell that to the world. Uh, and the messenger of Satan said, well, we can't have that. We can't have, you know, uh, uh, the, this whole discussion that, uh, that, that God is for everybody. I mean, it was bad enough when it was for Israel, but now you're telling, you're telling the people of the world that everybody can get on a deal. Well, we can't have that, so we've got to shut that down. Because the Lord gave him abundance of revelation. Go tell the world that they can be reconciled. Well, the Jews didn't figure that out for decades. They, they were really slow. I mean, Peter, when the Lord told him in, in Acts chapter 10, go to Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile, uh, and gave, had, had to send a vision to Peter to go do that. And Peter's like, oh, I can't do that, Lord. That makes me really nervous. And this is 10 years after the fact, right? After the, after the, the resurrection of Lord Jesus, he said, go talk to one Gentile house. And Peter's like, I can't do that. And, and you know, Paul got saved in, in, in Acts chapter 9, just before the Lord gave the vision to Peter in Acts chapter 10. And first thing he did, as soon as he gained his sight, he couldn't see for the first three days because of the glory of God. And, and uh, Ananias had to come and pray for him. It wasn't from sickness. It was just the glory of God uh, that was upon him. And so Ananias went and prayed for him. Immediately he's out preaching the gospel. Hey, are you, you, got, you got breath. I'm preaching the gospel to you. Uh, and so uh, Paul was started immediately. He got the revelation the first thing. And it took Peter a little while to get the revelation. So, so the, the, uh, the abundance of revelation came from the Lord. The messenger of Satan obviously came from Satan uh, to buffet him, lest I should be exalted above measure. Uh, well, does, again, didn't the Lord say that if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you, lift you up, raise you up, uh, let people see you, Right. Uh, if you're raised up, what's the purpose of that? So people can see you. People can get the revelation that you've got. That's the purpose of being exalted. Not to receive glory, but to be able to uh, give to people that which the Lord has given to you. If nobody knows about you, uh, then, then you may have abundance of revelation, but, you, but what's the value of it? You know, a, a Brother Hagin would tell the story that you know, the Lord gave him an abundance of revelation, right? Uh, and you look at the whole, the whole work of, of Brother Hagin, uh, and, you know, all of his books are small. He didn't have until the, the later end, you know, where he had books maybe over 100 pages long. Uh, his books mo- were usually just very small books, right? You read them in an hour. But they were profound about how to be led by the Spirit of God, the authority of the believer, the name of Jesus, you know, just different things that were, you know, how God taught me about prosperity. Just simple things, simple, simple word-based messages that were profound. But the church had lost all that. The church had forgot about all those things. You know, Brother Hagin was one of the few, even in his circles, who said that God's will is to heal you every single time without, without exception. Very rare, even among his circles, you know, of, of healing evangelists, uh, that, uh, that they were willing to go that far. A lot of them were still hanging on to the Pentecostal idea that, well, if it's God's will, he'll heal you. We don't know if it is, but if it is, you know, you'll make it, you know. And, and somehow the Pentecostal church that started in miracles uh, started believing stuff like that. Well, that's not a very good way to believe, right? But, but many of them did that. And, and they were unwilling to go to the extreme of believing that God wants you to be healed every single time without exception. Well, Brother Hagin did that. Uh, and yet, uh, as the Lord was teaching him these things, he was still traveling around just uh, small churches, you know. Uh, sometimes he said there'd be three or four people there uh, at, the chur- at these churches he was traveling. And he, he was a part of the denomination back then. Uh, and, and look, nothing wrong with preaching to three or four people, but if you've got a revelation that can change the world, uh, you know, th- those, those three people are helped, but what about the other billion Christians in the world? You know, now, Brother Hagin, if you, uh, you look at, the, he's, he's got t- hundreds of millions of copies of his books around the world. Hundreds of millions. Uh, 
Uh, and, you know, of course, people are, are, are stingy, so they'll share the books, right? They don't want to, I'm not going to buy my own book. I'll borrow your book, right? I'm kind of stingy. I don't really like people borrowing my books because they oftentimes won't give them back. <laughs> and I've had people, uh, hey, can I get that book back? Oh, I didn't borrow it. Yes, you did. Uh, one guy, yeah, sorry, I lost it. And, you know, back, it used to be hard to, to buy books right now. You just get online, click, 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 and it shows up like magic the next day. But back in the day, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it was a little harder to get books. You had to drive somewhere and you... And, you know, uh, it was like dinosaurs, you know. But, uh, uh, and so, uh, so Brother Hagin would go to these small places, and he said he would leave sometimes in tears and say, Lord, you know, we've got to get this work out. You know, there's such great revelation, but, you know, uh, if I'm only getting, you know, telling 10 people at a time, 20 people at a time, 30 people at a time, we're never going to get this word out. Enough people aren't going to hear this message to change the world. Now, and, of course, uh, he was 55 years old. Uh, before the Lord had him start Rainbow Bible Training Center. And, and before that, he was pretty much unknown. You know, he, in his circles, you know, this little, these little churches knew him. Sometimes he'd go to a bigger church. You know, sometimes he'd say, you know, uh, I mean, later on he said, I went to a small church of 300 people, right? I mean, I wouldn't mind having a small church of 300 people. Uh, but, uh, but, but before that, before he was well known, he was in churches, you know, uh, our size, right, for the most part. Uh, and, and maybe a little bit bigger than that, but not much bigger. Uh, and, and he would leave in tears. And then later on, the Lord exalted him. He started this college, and then suddenly he was known around the world. He started putting books and tapes, and people would come to him and say, Brother Hagin, you know, we knew you when you were just preaching in these small churches, you know. Uh, uh, what in the world happened? He was exactly the same before, during, and after. Well, what happened? Well, after 30 years, the Lord decided it was time to exalt Brother Hagin. After he really, really, after he spent the time... To, to get the revelation, to get it settled and understood what it meant, the Lord said, okay, now it's time to give that revelation to everybody. And then, you know, his tapes and, and books went around the world. I mean, not just in America, but around the world, changed the course and direction of, of countries, uh, in, in entire countries, including ours, uh, many times over the years. Uh, well, that's, that's what the Lord desired for Paul, that he needed that to happen, to exalt Paul. And so who's, who's, got, the, who's got the most interest in that not happening? Well, it'd be the messenger of Satan. And so, you know, that, that's the only thing that even makes sense, right? But when people say that, well, the thorn in the flesh was sickness and disease, so they're acknowledging that the thorn in the flesh itself is, uh, is a, uh, an idiom, right? Or just a figure of speech. That it's not an actual a physical thorn that you can just pluck out. It means it is something other than that, right? And so they will acknowledge that, yeah, the thorn in the flesh is not an actual physical thorn in the flesh. It's a figure of speech, meaning that it's something else that's hindering him. Okay, they get that part right, but then they get it wrong with what it was. Uh, and if you go back again to through the Old Covenant and realize that it's people, well, that makes perfect sense because who's, who's going to be the only one that can hinder you in your work with the Lord? It's going to be people, right? Uh, for the most part, devil, the devil's going to work through people. He's not going to come in. I mean, if the devil appeared to Paul directly, Paul would be like, it's just you. Well, whatever, you know. Um, was the Lord Jesus concerned when the devil appeared to him in, in the wilderness and talked to him? No, he, he wasn't concerned about him at all. Uh, and the devil didn't hinder them when he was in the wilderness. He tried to get Jesus to, to sin and tempt Jesus. Jesus was like, it's written, it's written, it's written, it's said. Uh, uh, and so it wasn't even a hindrance to, to Jesus. But then the devil started moving among people to try to hinder Jesus. And all the time, Pharisees and the Sadducees were always trying to hinder Jesus. They were a thorn in his flesh. Uh, and, and what did Jesus do to get rid of them? Nothing. 
they were against him, his, his entire ministry, even at the very end, uh, when he was taken to the cross, uh, they were still pushing for his demise. And they thought they had won. And so Jesus had a thorn in the flesh. It was called the religious leadership of Israel. So now Paul, uh, we, now we don't know who these people are. We don't know who these people were. He doesn't come out and say who these people were. Uh, but it says, uh, he was given to me a thorn in the flesh. So uh, it sounds to me like it was a, a specific person or a specific group of people that was buffeting him to keep him, you know, to hinder him, to hinder his move, to hinder, you know, uh, they may be going into, oh, we heard Paul's going to Ephesus. Well, let's go ahead of him and tell him Paul's a crook and a thief and a liar and, and get people to not want to listen to Paul. And then he'd have to go listen. He'd have to go and correct that to, to be able to be heard. He may have to go and say, well, I'm not really a thief and a crook and a liar. Let me tell you why. And so he may have to spend his, some time to get people, because remember, uh, they accused Jesus of casting out devils by, by Beelzebub. And then Jesus had to, had to sometimes, not, not often, but had to correct that. You know, he said, well, that wouldn't make any sense. How, why would I be casting out the devil by the devil? He said, a, a house divided against itself cannot stand, right? The famous line that, that Abraham Lincoln made famous, but he didn't write it. Jesus said it. Uh, and, and so, so uh, sometimes Paul would have to deal with that, with, with people hindering him. So the thorn in the flesh was clearly not a physical thorn, right? Everybody agrees with that. Uh, but they get it wrong in saying that it was sickness and disease. Uh, uh, but even if it was sickness and disease, the source of it would have been Satan, right? The messenger of Satan. So it wouldn't have been something to, to, uh, to keep, amen? Uh, if it was sickness and disease, because Paul already knew about healing. So, uh, so let, let's continue on there. He said, it, uh, lest he be should exalted above measure. He said, for this thing, I besought the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. So now this, this, this then is core of the message, right? Uh, what's it got to do with how bad do you want it? Well, how many times did the Lord did Paul go to the Lord about it? Three different times. So the first time that Paul went to the Lord about it, what did the Lord say? Nothing. Well, I mean, why did he have to go to three times if the Lord spoke to him the first time? So Paul went to the Lord the first time. Hey, uh, th- th- these people, this person that's really bothering me, can you do something about that? What, what, what do you hear from heaven? Nothing. So what did he do? I guess the Lord doesn't want to help me, right? Is that what he said? No, what did he do? Because he, 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 see, he knows. The Lord said, ask and you shall receive. Amen? Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. Remember we read that last week in Matthew 7? See, Paul's got faith. Well, I need an answer. Lord, I need, I need something done with these people. So uh, what did Paul do? He went a second time. Lord, do something about these people. Three times, he said, three times I besought the Lord, asked the Lord uh, that it might depart from me, that this, that this thorn of my flesh would get out of my hair. They're bothering me. Three different times he went to the Lord. And, and so, you know, for you and I, uh, or for you and me, uh, uh, and when we're dealing with the Lord, how bad do we want the answer? Well, I asked the Lord, and he didn't give me an answer. And so I guess, you know, I I guess I'm just stuck with this, right? Uh, And I guess it's my lot in life to bear. Well, and that's what happens a lot of times. Christians will just, they don't want it bad enough. And so they don't seek the Lord enough. And why didn't the Lord answer them the first time? Well, the Lord's not your messenger, boy. You know, sometimes, uh, again, it's always, the Lord's always elevating faith, right? He's always waiting to see faith. He's always waiting to see, you know, do you want it bad enough or is it just... You know, 
you, you know, sometimes like with kids, they just want everything. Well, are you going to use that? Well, no. Well, you don't really want it. You're just saying you want it, right? And so I know we used to go to like Lowe's and, uh, uh, when Jared was small, and they'd put all these kid books like this high. They don't put them up higher, but I, I don't even see them, right? Jared walks in, they're all right his eye level. Uh, and of course, you know, then he wants it. I said, well, you know, are, are you going to read that book if, if we buy it? Yeah. Okay, then we'll buy it. You know, we never told him no. And he, he, he'd get home. And he, but it's always like books with a screwdriver, a hammer on it, you know, and, and uh, it was kid books and stuff that uh, a store like Lowe's would sell. But a lot of kids, you know, they just want everything. And they don't really want it. They just want it because, you know, they don't have it. Uh, and they think that's sufficient, right? And a lot of times that's the way adults are. Well, why'd you buy that? Because I didn't have it. Did you want it? Well, no, I just, you know, bought it because I didn't have it. And so, I mean, to a lot of adults, that's the only reason why they buy things, because they don't have it. Uh, and so uh, that's not always the, the best way to, to do things, amen? Uh, and so, uh, you know, how bad do you want the answer from the Lord? You know, do you have faith that the Lord will answer you? See, if Paul didn't have faith, he would have asked once the Lord didn't answer him, then he was, I guess, I guess the Lord didn't want me to, to know uh, or to deal with this thing. Uh, and so... You know, there, years ago, there's a situation where uh, there was a thorn in my side, a thorn in my flesh, a person that was really annoying me. Uh, and, I, and, and I tried, you know, you ever tried to work with people and they just don't want to work with you? You try to, you know, uh, if there's conflicts, I don't like conflict between me and you. Uh, and, and if I can, you know, the Bible says, as much as lies within you, be at peace with all men. So I'm at peace with all men. All men are not at peace with me, but I'm at peace with all men. Uh, and so, but if there's conflict between me and you, and I think it's something that can be resolved, you know, I'd like to resolve it. Because, you know, I mean, who wants conflict, right? You know, you know, if the guy, you know, three cities over is, is mad at me, I don't care. I don't see them every day, right? I'm not a problem in my life. But somebody, you ever had conflict? You know, there are people in conflict in, in the same church, right? One sit over here, one sit way over there. And, and, you know, they're mad at each other. Going to church, right? You know, it happens. Uh, and, and they'll come to church every Sunday, and we'll avoid each other. And they'll just, you know, walk around the church like this right here, right? And they never get close to each other. And every time, you know, if this one's going that way, this one's going this way. It, it, they do that in church. And they never resolve the conflict. It's like, well, you know, it seems like you ought to be able to grow up, amen, and, and, and not be mad at the person going to the same church that you are. Now, I know that seems like a lot to expect, right? But, uh, but sometimes it happens. So, you know, I, just, I wanted to get this thing resolved. And I go and talk to them. Hey, you know, can we get this thing resolved? I mean, you Seems like you're really mad at me, you know. Oh, I, I got no problems with you. Really? Okay, that's great. And you leave, and you find out they're, they're, they're lying about you or you know, accusing you of all manner of evil, coming to your face. You, you did that. Well, I, I thought five seconds ago you said we're good, and now we're not good. And so finally I went to the Lord and said, Lord, can you tell this person to walk in love with me? Because I'm trying to walk in love with them, but they don't want to walk in love with me. Can you tell them to walk in love with me? Uh, or uh, I think I asked him, uh, Lord, have you ever asked him to walk in love with me? Uh, and he said, no, I've never asked him to walk in love with me. And I remember thinking, wow, I can't even get the Lord to help me out. You know, because, I mean, I couldn't do it. I was having no success on my own part to get him to walk in love with me. And I said, Lord, have you ever asked him to walk in love? No. And so, you know what I did? Nothing. I just kind of got bummed about it and thought, well, I guess this is my lot in life to bear. And see, instead of, instead of pressing in and finding out the answer, I just, I just assumed that the Lord wasn't, didn't want to be on my side. And, you know, we all get to grow up eventually, right? And so I didn't even think about it for years. 
And then years later, I said, it just prompted my heart, you know, about that situation. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, why didn't you t uh, tell that person to walk in love with me? Because if you had tell them to walk in love with me, then they would quit being a thorn on my side. Because I'm saying, you know, why didn't you want to be, why didn't you want to help me? Well, see, I only asked twice, right? You know, the first time I didn't even really ask, you know, and so, uh, but it was years in between. And the Lord said, uh, here's what the Lord said. He said, he said, my word already says to walk in love. He said, I'm not required to, re to repeat myself. You know, well, there you go, right? So, uh, you know, because a lot of times people will only do the will of God if it's a supernatural, spectacular experience with God. Thus saith the Lord, thou shalt walk in love. You know, the skies part and the thunders roll and, and the Lord speaks to you in a supernatural way to just do what he already told you to do in his word. Oh, well, now I can do it, right? Before, since it's, just, it's only in the word, I don't really have to do it, right? But if you speak to me in a supernatural, big, spectacular way, then now I have to do it. Uh, and see, uh, that person knew to walk in love. They knew the word of God. They just didn't want to do it. And so I'm trying to, trying to work with the Lord because I couldn't work with them. I'm trying to work with the Lord. And I'm thinking, well, even the Lord won't help me. And the Lord's like, and once the Lord told me that, it's like, okay, then, then, then they won't even listen to you either. That, and that's really what he's trying to get it, the point across, that they wouldn't listen to me, and they wouldn't listen to him either. They wouldn't listen to his word. And he's not obligated to repeat himself. He's not obligated to, ha to, to tell you in a spectacular way to do what he's already told you to do through his word. And a lot of Christians won't do the word of God until they have some spectacular experience with heaven before they'll do the will of God. Uh, and it's a shame. So they're missing out on some of the blessings of the Lord. Uh, and so, and that's what happens. You ask the, the Lord one time, hey, can you do something about the thorn in the flesh? And what do you hear from heaven? Nothing. And so you, you're like me and say, I guess the Lord doesn't even want me to, doesn't want to help me with this thorn, right? I guess the Lord doesn't want to help me. Uh, and, 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 and we miss the whole thing, right? We miss what the plan, see, what, if, the, if I had pressed in and found out what the Lord, well, the, uh, the Lord's not telling them because he's already told them through his word. See, that would have encouraged me that, okay, then, then I'm fine, right? Because I, I took it as, that, then I must be doing something wrong that the Lord still won't help me. Uh, and so I, I got the whole thing messed up. Uh, and it wasn't a big deal in that regards, but still, I didn't get the truth of what I needed to know until years later. See, if I had gotten that earlier, I would have been better off. Uh, and so Paul uh, heard nothing from heaven the first time. So what did he do? He went back to heaven a second time. Lord, would you do something about this thorn in the flesh? They're really annoying me. They're hindering the move of God. They're hindering. Uh, and it wasn't about, uh, I need to be seen. But he knew that they were hindering the move of God. He, they were hindering the, the dissemination of the revelation to the church. They were causing that revelation to not be expanded like it should have been. And, and that person was doing that, whatever it was. You know, he was loosening the wheels on a wagon or, you know, uh, feeding the, the, you know, the, the, the donkeys, you know, something to make them sick or, you know, uh, poking a hole in the bottom of the boat, whatever they were doing, right? They were, they were sabotaging his ministry to keep him from doing the work of the Lord. You know, and it could have been something like that. It could have been gossip or it could have been a lot of things, right? We don't know the specifics of it, but whatever it was, it was annoying to Paul. Now, um, uh, before we, we talked about that in Acts chapter 16 where it was a possessed devil, a person possessed of the devil and the Lord did give him the, the authority to do something about that one uh, but, he did, but apparently the Lord didn't give him any unction to do anything about this person no unction, so if there's no unction you can't just say things, right, in the name of Jesus do this, and Jesus is like, I didn't tell you to do that right, a lot of times people drop the name of Jesus and the Lord, I'm not, I'm not backing that one up, you know, I, I didn't tell you to do that 
don't, you know, don't be a name dropper uh, because you, you use the name of Jesus when the will of God is to use the name of Jesus. People all the time driving through town, in the name of Jesus, all lights turn green. And Jesus is like, well, what about all the other people going the other direction? Are you selfish, right? Uh, what about them? Don't they have a place to go? I mean, you know, if it's an emergency, maybe, but, but you know, a lot of people are just lazy, right? Well, I don't, uh, 30 seconds of my life, it's nearly over, right? I've got to wait 30 more seconds, and I can't have that. Uh, and so uh, people only think about themselves, and Jesus is like, well, you know, the, you know there are other people in the world besides you, right? So you can't just, in the name of Jesus, all lights be green, uh, because that would, that would not be uh, kind to everybody else in the world, amen? But sometimes we're, we're selfish about stuff like that, and so, so, uh, so Paul uh, no unction to do anything with, the, with this thorn in the flesh. And so if there's no unction, then you've got to go to the Lord. Lord, uh, Lord you're not telling me to, 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 in the name of Jesus, this person. You're not telling me to use the authority of Jesus to, to deal with this thorn in the flesh. So I, I need to know why. I need to know, you know, deal with it, Lord. I need you to deal with it. And he, so he asked a second time, nothing. So, I mean, what do you do? I guess God just wants me to have this, you know, uh, well, it's a messenger of Satan. Why would God want you to have that? Amen. And so, so what did he do? How bad did he want it? He wanted it bad enough till he, he went back to the Lord till he got the answer. And that's, the, that's what we need to learn from this. Not about the, well, it's just my, lot, my lot life to bear, right? Uh, no, uh, you go until you get the answer. Uh, and so finally, he got the answer. But still, you know, uh, it's not the answer he was looking for, right? Because he wanted the thorn of the flesh to be removed. But is that what the Lord said? I'll get right on that. No, so, so uh, we, learn, we learn in this case, you know, in, in certain situations, in difficult situations, sometimes the Lord asks you to go into a difficult situation. And we only want to be perfectly and, you know, everything to be perfect and easy when we go into a situation. Well, uh, why would the Lord do that, right? Uh, I mean, if it was easy, he could send anybody. Uh, and so sometimes the Lord needs you to go because the, di- the, the situation is difficult. You know, I, I tell you this, and, and, and then um, uh, if you've got just a minute, we'll, we'll finish this up here. Uh, you know, when I was with my pastor, the Lord, the Lord specifically called me. He said, you go back to that church. We, I'd gone there during college, you know, and graduated and was working in a different state. The Lord said, you go back to that church. He gave me a whole list of things to do. One of them was to, be, to get married to Chris, you know, that, that was uh, the best of them all, right? Uh, sell my car, right? Go back to school. Uh, and the last, thing he, the last thing he said, you go back to that church. He said, there's things that you need to learn that the pastor needs to teach you. And, 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 I, and, I, and I reflect on that uh, oftentimes because he, he never said uh, there are only good things that the pastor's got to teach you. He never said that. So now he didn't say there's good things and bad things either because I've been like, well, why would I want to do that, right? And so the Lord's smart, right? Because he, he just... He's messing with you. He's, yeah, you've got things to learn. Oh, well, they're going to be wonderful things. I didn't say they're only wonderful things, you know, and, and so, uh, but many of the things were wonderful, amen? Many of the wonderful blessings of heaven that my pastor taught me. All of them were not. Uh, and so for many years, it was just a wonderful place to be. And then after a while, things got complicated and, and he, he, he turned on me. And I remember in, in the sound booth one time talking to the Lord, said, Lord, I'm, I'm a young Christian, but I have observed that everybody in this ministry that ever, there ever learns anything and gets promoted to a point where uh, uh, they could be like, a, like an elder or even a deacon, the pastor shoots them, right? Not physically, but just 
he'll start, he'll, he'll just, he can't handle it. For whatever reason, anybody that, that, would, that would grow up in the Lord and start learning some things and walk in faith on their own and, and, and could be self-sufficient from faith without you know, being dependent upon the pastor, he, he had to get rid of them. And he would. And, be, and, and I observed that. You know, he'd, he'd get up one day and say, well, you know, uh, I remember one time it was the uh, uh, associate pastor. He had been having some conflict with the associate pastor. And he got up uh, one day and said, uh, uh, the associate pastor has decided that, that uh, he needs to go to church somewhere else. And now the associate pastor sitting on the front row. And he had never thought that before. He had never said those words. But he got up and said those words. The, pastor, the associate pastor decided he needs to go to church somewhere else. It's like, I didn't decide that. And his wife's sitting right next to him. He said, honey, is there something I need to know about? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard that either. Uh, well, that's the, kind of how he did it, you know, and it was, it was a mess. And I told the Lord, I said, I don't want to be on the list. But I knew in my heart, somehow I'm going to end up on the list. And I got on the list. I didn't want to be on the list. I got on the list. I was on the bad list, you know, and the pastor would get up and say, Chip Bolo's trying to take over this church. Chip Bolo's trying to, you know, uh, uh, take over this ministry. And Chip Bolo's doing these things, right? He said, name, name me from the, from the pulpit, right? About how, And so, anybody want to sign up for that? Lord, dude, let's do that, right? Uh, and nobody wants that. Uh, and yet, uh, Lord, can I leave? No, you don't leave. And so, you know, eventually uh, I, found the, the, I found the grace to overcome that uh, and, and to not be so hurt and not to be so uh, uh, angry about it and, you know, wondering about it and what in the world's going on because, you know, all I ever want to do was help. And I was accused of all manner of evil. I thought, God, you want to help. I, I had no, no design on the, on the ministry. I want the, I'm going to take over that ministry. I, I, there's furthest thing from, from my, my thought life is to take over that ministry. Because I, my pastor was my pastor. And I knew that the Lord had called him to do great things. And yet he never really accomplished great things because he got mired in all this, this carnality of, of people trying to take over his ministry. And, and so one thing I did learn from that, if you, look, if you want to try and take over this ministry, I mean, if I have to, I'll just shoot you in the kneecap and then we'll move on, right? But I'm not going to be bitter about it. I'm going to be angry about it, right? You want to do things that are not right? I'll just ask you to leave and move on, right? Or, or try to work with you if I can. But look, if you, if you don't want to work with me, I mean, no, if, look, if the Lord says, hey, you get that ministry to them, I'll walk out the door tomorrow. I mean, no problem with me. I, you know, I'm not, this is not my thing anyway. It's just his thing. Uh, and so, but he got real mad and bitter about it and, and, and got suspicious of everybody. And would say things that everybody who walks in that door is going to stab me in the back. Well, well, that's a good way to deal with it, right? He said that way, I, he said that way when it happens, I don't get my feelings hurt. Well, you're, you're started out with your feelings being hurt. So you're, you're starting from the wrong, wrong standpoint here, right? And so anyways, it went on like that for many years. And finally, I, I found the path of victory in my heart where they could still keep doing those things. I'm like, well, whatever, you know. Well, why didn't you leave? The Lord never told me that I could leave. And so eventually he passed. And, and then about five months after he passed, uh, we were still going to the same church, right? So he passed away, and, and uh, you know, I said, Lord, I'll stay here as long as you want me to stay here. And one day he said, uh, this is his exact words, he said, their hearts are fixed, it's time for you to go. And I knew what he meant by that was my ability to help has come to an end, right? My potential to help has come to an end. Uh, and so, so we left, right? And we didn't leave mad, we didn't kick the dog and way out the door, we didn't, you know, you a bunch of backslidden buzzards, you know, we, we just... We called the pastor's wife, said, hey, we're leaving, you know. Well, are you mad? No. Did somebody tell you, do something to offend you? No. Or you don't like what's being done over here? No. Why? She never asked me why we left. 
Because I would have said, well, the Spirit of God said it's time to go. Well, that can't happen. Well, it does happen, all right? Uh, and so years later, I'm kind of reflecting on that. I said, Lord, you know, why did you have me go to church there? Because, you know, sometimes you feel like a failure, right? And, and um, uh, you feel like, well, I didn't really accomplish much. And the Lord was so gracious to me. This is what he told me. He said, I sent you there because you were willing to stay. He has sent so many other people there that, that left before they should have left. Now, I'm not saying everybody left it was wrong. I'm just saying that that's what the Lord told me, that everybody sent there left before they should have. He said, I sent you there to, to uh, stay there long enough to give them an opportunity to repent. Now, they never took it, but my job was to, was to stay there long enough uh, and to not uh, wilt at their onslaught of lies and, and accusations to give them the opportunity to repent of all those lies and accusations that they were doing because that's what they had gotten into the church about if, you don't, you know, if we don't like you, we're going to lie about you and accuse you of all manner of evil. Uh, and, and so many people that left the church, they were never a help to the church. And get up in the pulpit and say things like that. They were never a help to the church. And I'm like, well, I know them. They were a blessing to the church. For years they were a blessing to the church. And now you're going to rewrite history and, and say they were not a blessing to the church? And he said, he said, you were willing to stay long enough to give them an opportunity to repent. Now, they didn't accept the opportunity, but see, that's not on me, that's on them. But see, all the people that left that were supposed to do that, see, then, then, then whatever happened, then they're at fault for some of those things that happened because they didn't stay long enough to get them to repent. Uh, and so, so in dealing with thorns in the flesh, see, the Lord sometimes sends you into difficult situations. And, and your job is to find out the will of God and to do the will of God there. What if the people are unkind? What well, did he send you there? Then you stay. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, an abusive marriage or things like that. You know, if you're in an abusive marriage, you, you know, you either get some frying pan kind of counseling or you walk out the door, right? I mean, you know, uh, you deal with that. Amen. The Lord never wants you to be physically abused like that. Uh, but in this case, you know, the Lord needed me to be there. And, and that situation was a thorn on my side, a thorn in our marriage, right? Uh, I mean, they, they lied to Chris, told her many times. Uh, you just watch one day, Chip's going to walk out the door and never come back, leave you and the kids all by yourself. And that's terrible. They told you things like that. That's terrible. Uh, and yet the Lord wouldn't let me leave. And the Lord also said, don't ever defend yourself. They'll tell Chris some lie about me. And, and uh, you know, they said, you did that. And I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't say, I didn't do that. How, you know, I can't believe they said that. I wouldn't say nothing. Uh, well, why not? The Lord said, don't defend yourself. Well, well they need to know. Not my problem. They need to know you didn't do that. Not my problem, right? Some of them still think I did it. Uh, and so, not my problem. Uh, so, the Lord, uh, he said three times, and, and did the Lord remove the thorn in the side? No, what did the Lord do? Well, the Lord rebuked, basically, the Lord rebuked Paul. And said, look, he said, he said uh, in verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, and so, what did the Lord say? You've got the grace to deal with that thorn in your side. Not sickness and disease, the people. See, the Lord never said he would deliver you from, from all persecution. Now, he said, you know, he would deliver you as far as your personal uh, self is concerned. You're going to be fine, right? You know, they can't kill you. You know, they didn't kill Paul. They tried to, but they didn't kill him. Uh, and so your, your own personal self. But he never said he would take all the mean people out of your life. Sometimes you've got to deal with that. Now, sometimes he may say, just like he told us, it's time to go. And so sometimes he may tell you it's time to separate yourself from that person. But sometimes he may need you to work with that person 
for years. We were there for years in, you know, about seven years of tribulation. We were there, you know, more years than that of good times and blessings, but about seven years of tribulation, it was difficult. Uh, and so uh, the Lord said, I'm not removing that thorn out of your flesh. And I can guarantee you the reason why is because that person needed help. And nobody else would be willing to help them. You know, nobody, uh, 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 like I said, so many good people, wonderful people of God left that church. They're unwilling to stay to help. And, and many of them, even today, if you talk to him, this is, I mean, he's been gone now for 15, this will be 16 years, actually 17 years uh, here in a couple of months. He's, my pastor's been gone. So he'd been gone for 17 years. There's still people who are affected in a negative way spiritually because of that experience. Won't go to church, you know, uh, are, are afraid to trust somebody. Can't trust a pastor. Can't trust a minister. Uh, and, and they were harmed by that experience that they spent with that person. I'm not harmed. You know, I mean, if I didn't tell you these stories, you wouldn't know that I ever went through anything because it's not real to me. Amen. Uh, and so uh, the Lord said, no, I'm not taking that thorn out of your side. That person is a child uh, that I wanted to be in my, my family. Maybe they're Christians. Maybe they weren't Christians. My experience was they were all Christians, right? All the people I dealt with the thorns on my side, all of them born again on their way to heaven, raising their hands, speaking in tongues, and, and stabbing him in the back the next day, right? Lying about me the very next day. Tell him about how good God is and stab you in the, and sometimes stab you to your face, right? Uh, and so, I mean, one time they get up and said, uh, who in here thinks that Chip Bolio is better than everybody else? I mean, you want to take a poll like that in church? It's terrible, right? And so, uh, so the Lord said, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking that. You wanted an answer, but see, you didn't ask correctly. You didn't ask for what's your will in the situation. See, you just wanted comfort. You wanted to be at ease and the Lord's not called us always to comfort the life of ease, right? Uh, because people, terrible people need help too. Uh, and, and so the Lord said, look, I'm not doing it. He said, but I need to remind you that the grace I've given to you is sufficient for you to deal with that thorn in the flesh, to be able to put up with that thorn in the flesh. And, and you need to remember that my grace is, is, is able to do that. See, a lot of people, they, they get to, in a difficult situation and it's, they're just, you just see it. It's just like this all week. Oh, it's so, the burdens are so hard being a Christian. And Lord's like, no. If, you, if I've given you grace, then you can walk through with your head held high. Right? Not bent over. Oh, it's so hard being a Christian. No, you walk in, hey, how's it going? Thorn. Right? <laughs> you having a good day? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Thorn. Right? I mean, you can do it. If you got the grace of God, you can do it. Amen? And see what happened in my life when I, when I found that path, I walk into church every day. And they'd say something, praise God, the Lord is good. Now, I mean, it, it, I mean, it was years. It took me years, right? Because sometimes I'm a little slow about things. But I got it. And they could do it. I was like te Teflon, a Teflon Christian. They'd accuse me of all manner of evil. And, and, you know, what happened eventually is they just quit. They just went on to somebody else in the church. And it's like, you know, if I just learned out of years ahead where, where it wasn't bothering me, because, you, know, you know, you can tell, right, when you do something that bothers them. And so they would double up on it. Oh, that bothers them every time I do that. You know, one person said, if he was on fire, I wouldn't spit on him and put him out. In the church, said things like that, right? Who says stuff like that? I still, to this day, when I get to heaven, the Lord, how in the world could a child of God say that about somebody else in the church? If they was on fire, you, you really, if I just burst into flames, you'd be like, yeah, somebody should do something. I ain't doing nothing. I'm not even going to spit on him. You really would walk by and go, wow, anybody got a, a weenie, you know? I mean, not even spit on me. But really, you wouldn't do that? Wow, I mean, that's, that's harsh. That is hard right there, right? I mean, I, that's, that's cold right there. Uh, and so 
The Lord said, I'm not doing it. I'm not removing that these people need your help. And I've given you grace, amazing grace, right? Spectacular grace. The grace of God is his ability working in you to accomplish his will on the earth. His power and ability working in you to accomplish his will on the earth. And, and you're saying you can't do it? I mean, if Paul wrote the book of Philippians, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He said those words, but well, except for that guy over there. I mean, I can't put up with that guy. It's, I, Lord, I can't do it. Well, then, you're, then, then the grace is not sufficient. See, whatever you're called to do, God provides the grace. And people don't believe that. It's too hard, Lord. Oh, so my grace is not sufficient of what you're saying. See, see these people, whoever these people were, they were a thorn in Paul's side. The Lord sent him there. You go help those people. Lord, I want to help nice people. Well, you know, that would be great. That's not always the case. Amen? I mean, 95, 97, probably 99% of the people I've ever dealt with as a, as a pastor, wonderful church, uh, people of God. But 1%, worst people in the world. I mean, it's like, you know, I wouldn't wish them on um, um, people I don't even like. You know, oh, I don't like that guy over there. Well, I don't want that person, you know. I, I wouldn't even, you know, I wouldn't even want that person to be around them. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you get, but, but, you know, they, they, they make such a mess of things. Amen? And so annoying. And yet the Lord's called you as a pastor. You've got to deal with the annoying people sometimes, right? Uh, people that are just, they, they lie on you and they try to take over your ministry. And I mean, we've had all, you know, we're not a big church, but people have tried to take over this ministry you know, and, and be in charge. And it's like, what's wrong with you? Uh, you know, can't we just, you know, uh, just be wonderful people and come to church and how can we bless the Lord, right? Uh, and you, like I said, 99% of the people, that way right there. But sometimes all we think about is the 1% that's terrible. Well, why, why, why is that all you think? I, I, you know, I'm going to dwell on the 99% that are wonderful, amen? Think I'm a wonderful pastor. And what about the 1%? Well, the Lord, you've got to deal with that anyway because he, he didn't say I can get rid of them, amen? He didn't say I could just throw them out of the church. Now, if the Lord says, you know, I got close to one person, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to ask him to leave the church. And, I, and, and several of the leadership came to me and said, please don't do that. I should have still done it, right? They were all wrong. I should have done it because, you know, because sometimes when, when the people are affecting other people in a church, sometimes you've got to get them to leave. Because when they start destroying the church, you know, I, I don't care. You can't hurt me. Uh, I mean, what if you lie on me? I don't care. It's not, you know, what, what if you accuse me of all men are evil? I don't care. You know, it's, not, it's nothing to me. I'm on my way to heaven. God loves me. But when you start affecting other people, see, then it's a problem. Amen. And the Lord may say, hey, you need to ask him to leave. And, and I, you know, I've never done it, but I could do it. You don't want to, you don't try me? You know, keep on doing it. You know, right now we don't have any problems in church. So it's all good. Amen. Well, uh, but, you know, we'll be around here long enough. There'll be somebody who comes in and does that. Amen. And, 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 if, and, and don't think I don't know. Right. I know. But, it just, you know, I may not be doing anything about it yet because the Lord may not say anything to it about it yet. Give them a chance to repent. Amen. So I said, look, I'm not doing with it. You, I've given you amazing grace, powerful grace. You can, you can deal with this person. You don't have to like it, but they, 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 I love them just as much as I love you. And I desire good things for them. And so shut up. Do the work. I mean, that's basically what the Lord said, right? He said, my grace is, I'm not, I'm not taking this thorn out of your side. I'm not getting rid of these people out of your life. You've got to deal with them. I've given you the grace to deal with them. You deal with them. Now, we don't like dealing with, with uh, annoying people. You like dealing with annoying people? It's just, it's just, it's just they're a thorn in your side, right? Uh, and so you've got to, you've got to find out from the Lord. Because sometimes I would say, just like he told us, time to go. Okay, Lord, I'll go. For the 18 years before that, don't go. So yeah, he told us to go, but not for 18 years. Amen. You want to hang in there for 18 years? You got the grace to hang in there for 18 years? You do. 
Are you willing to do it? Right? That's the question. Are you, how bad do you want the blessings of God? A lot of people, they get in a situation like that, they just leave. I'm, I'm out of here. Fine. Then don't ever walk by grace. Don't ever walk by faith. Just walk by what's comfortable to your flesh. A lot of people do that. Well, the most important thing to me is what, what makes my flesh comfortable. Really? That's your number one goal? I mean, and it is, because, you know, when I was running sound and running the thermostat, people were so mean to me. I hope you're happy we're all burning up. I mean, just with that same tone, we're all freezing to death. You're right.